This is exactly right. Yes, this is unsettling. This is anxiety-provoking. We don't know where this thing is going to go. However, it is critical that we show resilience as parents for our kids. They are looking to us. They're watching what we're doing. They're listening to what we're saying. And they are looking to our emotional responses for how to deal with this. What we need to do is we need to look at ourselves and we need to reflect on how we are doing because it is critical that we stay as grounded as we possibly can while also being human because this whole situation is new for us as well. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host. Our mission at Parent Footprint is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. And at Parent Footprint, we firmly believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is called Parenting with Resilience in Unsettling Times. It starts with us. So guys, we are doing a different format today. Um, I am going to be talking through what's going on on our daily life. Today is March 16th. It is 1.12 Pacific Standard Time. I'm in the Bay Area in California. And as of this time, the coronavirus, COVID-19, is um, well underway. And we, as... American citizens, as international citizens, as world citizens are trying to find a way to cope with something that is unfolding every, every hour, every moment. Uh, so today, I'm going to be talking first about a blog that I wrote on Psychology Today about this topic. And then we'll be welcoming our wonderful podcast producer, Laura Rossi, who's going to be telling us questions that uh, she has gathered from our community. And these are questions, of course, that all of us are asking, how do we deal with what's going on right now? So what is going on right now? What's going on right now is there, uh, according to the John Hopkins website, there are 179,165 confirmed cases in the world. And there are 4,200 cases confirmed in the United States. Um, as of a half hour ago, uh, there was an announcement that six counties in the San Francisco Bay Area are um, implementing as of midnight. Um, we Shelter, you have to stay in place, shelter in place, and be in our homes for until April 7th. Um, 
And that means not going anywhere unless you have to go to an urgent doctor's appointment or to get some food. In the larger world, we know that Italy's been on lockdown. France and Spain are mostly locked down. Uh, you can't fly into the country anymore. And um, sporting events have been canceled. March Madness is not happening. Conferences are gone. So we're living in an unprecedented situation right now. And so the question is, yes, this is unsettling. This is anxiety-provoking. This can be very fearful, partly because of the uncertainty and partly because we are not, we don't know where this thing is going to go. However, it is critical critical that we show resilience as parents for our kids. We have lived longer. Um, we know a little bit more about history and other events that have occurred. And they are looking to us. They're looking to us all the time. They're watching what we're doing. They're listening to what we're saying. And they are looking to our emotional responses for how to deal with this. The other thing that's happening is they're on social media, they're watching the news, and they're gathering information as well. And, you know, a lot of the information is helpful information, and a lot of the information uh, can also incite anxiety and fear about the projections. Um, and so what we need to do is, first off, is we need to look at ourselves and we need to reflect on how we are doing because it is critical that we stay as grounded as we possibly can while also being human because this whole situation is new for us as well. So what I want to do is I want to walk through steps for maintaining and building resilience. Um, one thing that I always quote is something by the Dalai Lama. And he says something like this. He says, if there's something, if we're worried and there's something we can do about it, stop worrying and do something about it. If we're worried and there's nothing we can do about it, stop worrying because there's nothing you can do about it. Now, of course, that sounds simple in the face of this global pandemic. The nuggets here are we need to separate what we can do from what we can't do. So some of the things that you've heard several times by this point um, in the media is we know that we need to wash our hands. We know that we need to watch where we're sneezing. We know that we need to keep a distance from other people. And now many of us are going to be um, required to do so. We know that we need to be around less people. Um, and we know that we need to be connected and communicating with one another. What we cannot control, we don't know how many people have the virus. Uh, we don't know how long the spread will last. However, we are taking great measures to stop the spread. We don't know if it's seasonal or not at this point, and we don't know what the future is going to bring. Right. So these are facts. So we need to start to focus on what can we do? Now, when it comes to resilience, I'm going to go through a few topics for us all to consider. 
The first thing is self-awareness, right? So everything starts and stops with us, with our kids. We need to be aware of how we're dealing with this, where we're struggling, what we're showing our kids, and get ourselves in check with the support of a spouse, with the support of a friend, with the support of your um, counselor, coach, is we need to find a way to understand what we're oozing off to our kids. Now, again, we're human and that's going to happen. All I'm suggesting is that we have awareness about how we are so we know where we need to adjust. If we need to have a good cry session or a freak out session, which is human, let's try to keep it to a minimum when we're around our kids. Right? Now, at the same time, it's fine to let them know that, yeah, you have some concerns too. You haven't experienced this before, but we're all going to do whatever we can to get through this together. So self-awareness, take your pulse, take your temperature, your emotional temperature of how you're doing and how you're behaving. The next thing, which we've all been doing a lot of, is gathering information. So to be resilient, not only do we have to be self-aware, we need to have information. So we need to know what are we supposed to be doing, what are people recommending, and look to rational and factual information and stay away from the information that gets um, that is that is more to create drama and to create news headlines and to really shock people. We want to stay away from those and we want to help our kids stay away from those because all those do is increase all of our anxiety, and worry. So we want essential information so we can put that information into the what can we do category, which relates to assessing what's in our control. When we can assess what's in our control, we can choose how to be healthy and to keep ourselves and our family safe, even if it's not in optimal circumstances. Right. So those of us are have not ever had a perhaps three-week staycation in our house where we couldn't go out and do stuff and be with our family and be with our friends and go travel. This is new. We have to find creative ways to do this, which I'll get to in a moment. So we're self-aware. We're gathering information. We're assessing what's in our control. Now, this is a big one. Acceptance. To be resilient, we need to accept the reality of the situation. We need to accept we are in a highly unusual circumstance that we as a nation and as a globe, as a world, are trying to work together to stop a virus. We need to accept that it's here. We need to accept that there are a lot of people that are going to get sick. And what we're really trying to do is prevent the vulnerable, the people with health issues and elderly from getting this virus because they are most at risk. So we need to accept that this is here and that as much as we can embrace this opportunity that we are going to be experiencing life differently than we would have. I am not going to be going to work for the next three weeks in my office seeing clients face-to-face-to-face. I'm going to be seeing them virtually. I'm going to be connecting with colleagues. I'm going to be writing. I'm going to be podcasting. I'm going to be doing whatever I can to do things differently in this temporary new reality. 
once we are working on our acceptance, we can get into problem-solving mode, right? So when we problem-solve, now we're using our great frontal lobe, our great intellectual brain to figure out how are we going to handle this, right? So resilient people see obstacles as opportunities. And I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about this. It's more about how can we, what are the opportunities here? Well, for those of us who have teenagers who we don't get to see all that much, we're going to be seeing them a lot more. That's going to be different, right? How do we use that time together? For those of you who have not had time to do certain projects that you wanted to do at home, well, you're going to have more time. What are the, how are we going to do life over these next, for right now, three, four, five, six weeks while we get this thing under control, how are we going to do life differently? And how can we include our kids in the process of problem solving with us? Because we need to model resilience for them. And we want them to feel secure in this unknown reality by helping be part of the structure and the routine and what it's going to look like so they're not guessing. And a lot of people are recommending coming up with schedules and keeping to a schedule so kids still have a routine. It might be a different routine, but it's still a routine so they know what to expect. In a sense, you make sort of a new game out of it. We are on like staycation. We're on a mandated staycation and we're going to use it to the best of our ability. Okay, so the next thing after we're problem solving is self-care. We need to be healthy to the best degree that we can. Our physical health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. We still need to sleep. We still need to eat as well as we can during this period. And we need to be creative with exercise. Whether you're doing jumping jacks or push-ups or sit-ups or people are doing in-home yoga, um, meditation, we need to practice self-care. So we are grounded and we have the most wherewithal that we can to be resilient. So we are being resilient for our kids and also showing them how to do it. Um, one thing that we're always on our kids about is to get off of their phones and social media and FaceTiming. Well, guess what? It's now serving a really good purpose with the next one on the list for resilience, which is to stay connected. We need to stay connected by phone, computers, um, text, email with all of our friends and loved ones and colleagues. Because a part of resilience is being connected to a larger community so we know that we matter. We are a part of the greater whole. So this is key. Stay connected to those you care about. You might not get the exact same dopamine rush as we get when we are face-to-face um, and our mirror neurons are, are mirroring each other when you're face-to-face. But we do know, at least from the research on counseling relationships virtually, that you can get a very similar interpersonal experience when you are um, online and you're still uh, virtually connected. So we need to do that. The final thing, the final part about being resilient is staying present. This is so difficult to do in the face of adversity and challenge, but it is so critical. So just as I was getting the news in my last meeting about our new um, 
travel restrictions and that we're all as of midnight going to have to be home for three weeks. The first thing was for it to pull me into what's that going to look like? What's it going to do for our business? What's it going to do for our clients? What's it going to do for our family? And you know what? We don't know yet. What we do know is that we need to deal with what's going on right now. And right now, I'm sitting in my office and I'm talking to all of you about the importance of staying present and us not being pulled into that future-tripping, worrisome, anxiety-provoking future. We don't know what's going to happen in three weeks. We don't know what's going to happen in one week. We know right now what's fortunately happening is at the state level, at the country level, and at the world level, people are taking measures, taking this seriously to stop the curve, to flatten out the curve. And so most of the time, we are fine in the present moment. And so what I encourage you to do in terms of being resilient is to keep bringing yourself back to a present calm when you inevitably find yourself getting pulled out to a scary what-if place because it's the what-ifs that take us away from the present. And this is something that you can also practice with your kids is to have mindful moments, mindful minutes, right? Where you just sit and say, hey, we're just going to sit down and we're going to look out the window and we're going to look at the rain. We're going to look at the sky. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to breathe deeply and all we're going to focus on is our breath. Because this is in the most critical times, everyone. Like These are the times when we are the most human and have the most opportunity for growth and to expand our worldview. And the thing we have to think about with our kids, once we have grounded ourselves and once we are being resilient, is how do we teach it to them? And teaching it to them involves teaching them all of these steps as well, is be t- be maintaining awareness of themselves, looking at rational information, trying to keep things simple, understanding what they can do and what they can't do, accepting we're in a unique situation, problem solving, how are we going to get through this? What creative ways can we think to get through this in a new way? What are we going to learn when we get out on the other side to take care of ourselves, for them to stay connected to their friends and for their presence? And it's critical that we really manage the information uh, for them. We need to be careful what we're watching on our TVs depending on the developmental age of your child and where their intellectual level and emotional maturity level is, it's talking to them in a way that gives them the information they need to make sense of the world and also to work on helping calming their anxiety when it goes to those scary places. The other thing is we are going to be challenged with social media, um, our kids on social media. And again, this is part of their connectivity and also we're going to have to help them take some of these breaks. So just like we have some rules when it's we're in a regular situation, we're really going to need to figure out how to set limits with them um, to take breaks and to still have sleep hygiene, to still eat, and to have other things they do besides being on their screens all the time because we know that can increase um, sometimes issues of depression and anxiety. Okay, I just said a lot there. And... I, What I want to do now is 
bring on, ask on Laura, our amazing producer, podcast producer, Laura Rossi, to join us and let us know what are some of the most common questions that our community is asking. Hello, Laura. Hi, Dr. Dan. Thank you for the great advice today and for doing this in real time episode. Let's get right to our listener questions and your important answers. The first question is, my tween son is having a hard time. He's highly empathetic and anxious. Do you have any advice? So yes, yeah, so our um, our empathetic kids are going to feel this deeply, just as um, our empathetic adults do as well. So going back to some of the um, points that I was making, I would want to highlight the the fe- like what what is true, and what are things that we can do? So for example, something that has not been talked a lot about, it kind of gets this underbilling. And when I last looked, I think the other day, when it was uh, maybe at 170,000 cases, virtually half of the people who had um, been diagnosed already are in full recovery, have, had, have fully recovered. So we need, to, we need to validate the concern that yes, there are many of our fellow humans who are getting ill. And the vast majority of them, so far half of them, have gotten better. And what we're doing now is as... So you're trying to instill hope with reality is our state and country and world are taking efforts to stop this thing in the manner that China was able to slow it down. And now we're doing the same thing. So I feel like... We have to validate the concern and the anxiety, but also do what we can once we have validated and for them to know like like he's thinking rationally, but also that, hey, we're going to get through this as a people and we're doing a lot. And then think about, hey, what would you like to do? What would you like your plan to be? How can we as a family contribute to the health of our society? So again, really focus on pro-social positive steps while trying to counteract, this is a cognitive strategy, is we need to counter some of the irrational, worrisome thinking with some rational one that basically say, okay, yeah, this is true, but also this is true as well. Great. Thank you. The next question is about a common parenting issue, sleep. Two different scenarios hoping for some advice for a couple of families out there, maybe more. My nine-year-old child can't sleep and my teenager is now having nightmares. What can we do to help them during the day and at bedtime? Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, you're not alone. That's going to be happening a lot. So, again, related to the last response, we need to counter, first of all, the worrisome and what-if thinking with some solid rational um, thinking. We want to know, you want to ask them, what are you worried about? Um, And then have some answers. So for example, that a lot of people are going to be sick. Okay, yes, there are a lot of people that are going to be sick. Well, I'm afraid that a lot of people are going to die. Well, actually, some people are going to die, right? Some people are going to die, but we also need to give them the facts that very few people are going to die relative to the amount of people that are going to be sick. And then they might be worried about specific family members who are older, who are ill. Yes, that is why we are keeping them aside. That's why we're not seeing them. That's why we're calling them and doing FaceTime and virtual chats because they are staying away from people to make sure. It's like you want to keep reassuring 
with facts everything that's being done during the day. Now at nighttime, you really want to do the best you can of having a sleep ritual. Like what? And I know you. I know you. You are doing this. Um, which is what is the ritual by which your child can find the most comfort as they're going to sleep? Is it stories? Is it you laying in their bed? Is it them laying in your bed? Is it um, that you have music playing, mindfulness? um, Whatever it is, is you're trying to soothe. And I have to say right now, we're in we're in a temporary phase. So for everyone who's, you know, trying to not have their kids sleep with them in their bed, you know, this isn't the time I'm going to say to practice that. Like if people feel more comfort being together, being in the same room, sleeping on the floor, this is the time for comfort and security. A way to show resilience is show up for our kids and to be there for our kids at all hours of the night. So what I want, what I want, what I recommend is do what you need to do to soothe and to comfort because again this is time limited and we need to do what we need to do to get through this together our third question what should i do when neighborhood kids show up to play or hang out we are all supposed to be self-isolating and a lot of people aren't listening yeah that's a tough one and i also feel is um going to be changing as we speak with the new um, ordinances and regulations that are coming out, I think one thing to do is to talk to parents to see where the other parents are. So at least you know what you can agree on or disagree on. And then you're going to have to figure out how strong, you know, of a stance to take, right? Like you're going to have to decide if you're going to be that person that says, you know what, we were told not to have social distance. We're told to have social distance and we really need to participate in this. And until we get other information, we are not going to be able to do these in-person play dates. And you're going to have to say, I'm sorry, um, we're practicing the social distancing and you guys are going to have to do something online. You're going to have to talk on the phone. And I think it's just really about Again, A, what the right actual the the county and city regulations are and state regulations, but also what you feel comfortable with as a parent and feel confident in yourself, even when you're disappointing your child, you know you're doing so because it's for something you believe in. So a lot of parents are feeling very overwhelmed and their children can sense this. You did mention this in your blog post. Can you give us a few more tips? about how parents can calm down. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm just going to, a little bit of repetition here. I want to first start by saying, please check yourself because particularly our sensitive and empathic kids, some of the time they're upset because they know that we're upset. So the first thing is, is you just to again, really ground yourself and do what you need to do with your own self-care so you can be as balanced as possible and and in the moment with them and then is talking to them about what their concerns are like you want to you want them to talk about their concerns there's concern about a lot of people getting it they're concerned about people dying you want to let them talk so you know what they're thinking to the degree that you can so then you can counter that thinking with again what we know we can do about it and the things that we don't know yet but that we are going to continue to learn more and more and more And then with that, you can also try to manage the information that they're getting. And we need to, what we're going to need to do, and um, what 
Phil, our uh, podcast engineer who makes all this possible, was saying before the show, this is important for everyone to hear, is that we're going to have to get away from all of this talk about the coronavirus and COVID-19 too and do other things, right? Because so we're inundated with this and it becomes obsessive. So we need to help manage the information load and distract our kids into doing things that they enjoy, read, play games, do Minecraft, do a project, right? Like we need to do other things because we have to tell them, you know, here's something that I've been thinking a lot about in the last few days is, you know, none of us would choose this, but how can we look at this from curiosity that we are all living in something that's going to be written about in history books? Like we're in the middle of it. And can we look at this with curiosity and wonder about how our lives are going to change now and how they're going to change later in possibly good ways as well, about how it's bringing the whole world together to do something to keep ourselves all safe. So a lot of it is helping manage their thoughts, giving them other things to think about, and also find other healthy ways to spend their time so you can redirect them and distract them when it keeps coming back around. And for some kids, it's going to keep coming back around. And you just got to keep redirecting them um, while this thing is going on. So this time is particularly challenging for special needs children, parents, and families. One question that we received um, addresses that. My special needs child lives on a very rigid daily schedule at school, and we can't get him to comply at home. Please help. Yeah, that, that is a tough situation because we know how many of our special needs kids really do so well um, with their routines and their rituals and then and come to depend on them. So what this looks like is we're going to be in this situation for a little while, whether depending on where you live, whether it's three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks of schools are being um, on hiatus right now. I suggest creating structure in your house, as much structure as you can. So you basically have your own version of what your school day or your home day might look like. And I would do anything I would add to the structure all of the things that normally your child likes doing at school. Now, of course, home and school is different, and that's going to be confusing because you don't have the same structure at home as you do at school. But I think we're in a situation now where we need to create structure. And what we know from years of experience and research with kids um, with special needs is when you can implement a structure, particularly one that has some incentives involved and some that they have child buy-in, as well with a lot of positive um, outlets and reinforcement, these kids do better than without structure. So it's going to be hard to replicate it exactly, but any way that you can increase the structure at home over time, you should be getting some of the same positive results. But again, remember, these kids also have trouble with newness and transitions. So there's going to be a period of time where it's just hard for them to process what's going on until this becomes the temporary new normal. Let's move on to our next question, which um, we have in our house. <laughs> My curious child is reading every article and analyzing data about the coronavirus, basically leaving no stone unturned. As parents, we can see the emotional toll it is taking on her. How can we limit her digital access while also respecting her need to know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that so that is a really common one, particularly with our um, bright and inquisitive uh, teens. So one thing I would say is to have the conversation of what is it that you want to know and is the amount of research you're doing helping you or is it actually negatively impacting you? So we want to create... So this is the opportunity to build a bridge for resilience to self-awareness because we all have had our own experiences when we find ourselves too much on social media or watching the news too much that we finally say, what am I doing? Like, this is not good for me. And so a lot of these kids, these um, teenagers, need help understanding and regulating what it is that's driving this behavior and what are they trying to figure out. And then from there, I would saddle up more on this collaborative approach, which is, are you wanting to look this much or are you kind of hoping we restrict you? (laughs) You know, because sometimes the kids want us to step in. Like, are you wanting this amount of information? Um, Because we can limit it. Now, of course, we always can limit it. It's always better if our kids say, can you please help me limit it? That's, that's the ideal. Sure, let's, let's make a plan together to limit it. But again, besides the actual fundamental limitation of the, of the act, you're really trying to help figure out why your bright child needs to know this information because it is, we know, to some way manage her anxiety or his anxiety. It's to manage the anxiety. And just it just so happens that some of the ways we try to manage our anxiety is not always healthy. So taking digital breaks, like with a collaborative approach, like let's take digital breaks. How about you allow us to update you over the next two hours if there's something significant and just get away from your technology, talk to your friends, read a book, work on a project so your brain can get a break. And I feel like if we can impose breaks, but also let them know you're not going to miss anything, we'll give you the information. There can at least be this kind of brain relaxation. um, And that again, they know that you're in it with them. So they're not there alone. I mean, one one image I have, of course, before technology growing up was how afraid I remember being of a nuclear war back in the Cold War. I just remember seeing the news, watching these movies that everyone thought it would be great if we saw the day after or whatever that thing that etched into our brain. It was all awful and scary. And I just remember feeling really alone and scared because I didn't know what to ask. I didn't have any access to information other than what was on the news. And I feel, you know, in hindsight, being able to talk this through um, would would have been really helpful. So we have to see how much we could pull our kids away from the media and the news and have interactive exchanges with them instead of them falling into that rabbit hole of all of the fearful information that's out there. So the last question for today is an interesting one because most parents of uh, the kids that have graduated from high school, you know, have sort of launched their children and now college students are home um, or kids that were supposed to take the SATs can't take them. How can we help the kids that are spiraling and have to come home deal with, you know, my first year of college ended abruptly. My study abroad program is canceled. I'm supposed to yeah. graduate in a few months, you know, so yeah. what do we do for parenting all of our college kids or um, recent grads or about to graduate? Yeah, I think this is, again, this is unprecedented. And I feel that the thing that comes first to me is loss. 
right? Like this is lost. Your last uh, spring quarter, your graduation, your trip abroad, your graduation trip. I mean, all of this, uh, your, your uh, season canceled, right? We think of all those poor basketball players, uh, men and women in March Madness canceled when they're showing to showcase their, you know, their talents um, for, for the world. And um, I think we first have to acknowledge like this for them, that's loss and that sucks. Um, we can't just talk them out of it. So I think that first stage is just validating like who would have thought that this would happen. And this is, we could not have anticipated that you're in this situation now and we are sorry and talk to them about what, are you miss what are you going to miss most what's bothering you the most what is impacting you the most about this decision again cuz we really want to not assume that we know what our kids are thinking and experiencing so as much as you can get a dialogue get that dialogue going and then once you have enough time to validate that loss it's you know in the short term or in the medium term because you don't want to rush it it's like okay we're still figuring out what our movement can be or our restrictions can be but how how do you want to use this time you know someone might say you know what i don't want to do anything i'm so burnt out from school i don't want to do anything someone might say you know what well maybe i can learn a language that i wanted to learn or do something else online or i finally can learn how to use that um online uh, architecture program it's like we want to move from despair and loss into action. But I also caution, like, give it time because we need to allow loss to happen so it doesn't, so it, it, it has some resolution. But this is just, this is just a really tough time for those kids who are, went from like the most exciting um, developmental milestones of their life to it being changed and pulled out from under them. It's still going to happen, but it's going to happen differently and we need to acknowledge that and then help them activate. Thank you, Dr. Dan. And thank you to all of our listeners for sending in your questions on social media. I think we may have another show where we continue to answer reader questions. So mm -hmm. you can, mm -hmm. of course, find us Parent Footprint on Facebook, Twitter, and Dr. Dan Peters on Instagram. And send us any questions you have. We'll, we'll certainly address them either on a show or on social media. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for gathering them together um, and just being the backbone of all of this. And uh, we're definitely going to do this again. I want to um, leave everyone, as all of our listeners know, we normally have the parent footprint moment. Um, and you all know that question well about, I asked the guests to tell us of a time when they became aware of themselves or another, uh, they became aware of themselves as a person or as a um, parent and that new awareness had a positive impact on their child. Well, I'm cha we're changing the parent footprint moment question for all of you, for all of us. And it's simply this. I want you to think now about how you want your child to remember you showing resilience during this unprecedented time as their leader, as their guide, and as their example of how to deal with adversity. I know you all are going to be doing your best. That's all we can do. And we have to remember that all we can do is try to be the person that we want our child to become. And 
as always, in all of these moments, try with that self-awareness to ask yourself that question, what footprint do you want to leave? <laughs>